Hello, and welcome to Marriage Unchained, the art of one flesh, where saving marriages, saving families, and saving souls is the flavor of the day. Now, let's join our host and author of Marriage Unchained, Catholic Alpha Radical, Jerry Jacobs Jr. Welcome to episode 25. Today's problem, Deacon Harold Berg Sivers, how to save your marriage without counseling. So, sit back, relax, take a chill pill, and get ready to rock, but don't duck. Can you feel it? Catholic Alpha Radical, coming at you now. Hello, and welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical. Um, I wanted to introduce, this is a sort of a special um, show series of three, uh, one interview of three, uh, uh, divided into three parts. And I wanted to, uh, I wanted to kind of bring this in because we did this interview maybe a year ago. Um, and, uh, what I was always, always been a fan because this person has like helped me help bring my faith in and one of the but even not as much as that but what really i it was it was good when i saw him because he was actually a masculine man in the catholic faith um and like a lot of you know before i was in the catholic faith um there's no way I would be in the Catholic faith. To me, all the dudes were wusses. They made Jesus look like he was soft. Um, there's no way that I want to be anything like that. So when me and my wife were married and after a few years, we, we came into, um, I came into the church, but I still wasn't really in the church. We didn't, I didn't go to mass or nothing. Um, but then, you know, I started listening to Catholic answers and, this man was on there and it was really an enjoyable experience to, and through him, I started to learn what being a man actually is, what God expects of us as men and how that would propel my masculinity and my marriage and my wife and my children in those roles as leader, father, husband, um, in my, in our, in my life and in my home. So, um, like my friends, Joe and Candle Mark knew this. My wife knew this, that I really liked this, 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 this dude. And so they kind of surprised me. And he was in town, uh, over, uh, I get he was in town and he was, um, giving a, uh, he was in town doing a, a parish mission and he was giving a series of talks. And so my wife, said come over come over to karen and joe's and i was like what you know so i get over there and he's sitting there and i just like pause like a deer in the headlights <laughs> and i just couldn't believe it you know it was deacon harold burke sivers and you know uh we took pictures together and it was another thing was funny too. We both had on these big old crucifixes, 3d crucifix. Like I have one now we had on these big old three, 3d crucifixes and, and we just, you know, kind of hug each other and we took pictures and stuff. And we talked the whole night, um, along, we talked a few hours and we, me and him really had good chemistry together. So, you know, me, I was like, Hey, Dickett, I do this little old, 
podcast, you know, you want to come hang out and do a show? He's like, yeah. So that's what happened. The next day we got together, I went over to the parish up in Carmel, and um, we sat down and did an old-fashioned radio show. You know, it was no video. This is when I didn't really do um, – I. My favorite thing is really the actual podcast, just the radio part. I would, I'm really not a video person, but my wife likes it, thinks I should do video. So I kind of, that's what I kind of do it for. She said that it's usually good. So that's kind of why I do the video thing. And these days, video kind of, it, you know, gets out there more, but that podcast, that radio show style, I love it. And, uh, that's kind of a, my heart right there. So this is an old-fashioned uh, radio show with me, Deacon Harold Burr Sivers of EWTN. He's an author. He's a speaker. And um, in the Catholic faith, I mean, he is he's one of the, 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 the dudes that speak on masculinity and marriage um, and our roles as men. And without him, you know, I, I don't know. Would I, would I be what I have got so far, what I've started understanding with, our, with marriage is really about and stuff like that. I don't know, but I'm glad that I, he was one of the ones that helped me um, understand that. Um, and I think that's it. So, oh, and this, so basically, um, like I said, this is a, I'll do my best to, you know, put captions up and stuff. And, and so that, you know, um, doing the interview, uh, the interviews in three parts. This first part is about him, his background, why he became a deacon, you know, what he likes about it and who people he's helped and his experience and stuff um, about his uh, his childhood and things like that. And then parts two and three are basically relationship questions. I'm asking him about the tough questions about masculinity and being married and what God is asking of us and you know, we just have a good old time and I, I'm listening. I, I have not, you know, I don't listen to usually I don't really listen to the interviews and stuff. I just or the shows really. Um, I just put them there. I just, you know, tape them, put them together and what it is, what it is. Um, and then the, the, a lot of times, you know, the Holy Spirit, I pray the Holy Spirit before all my shows. So I really don't even realize the things that I say. And me and my wife will be sitting down, watching, reviewing the show and watching it through its entirety once it's done. And I'm like, man, I said that. <laughs> she starts laughing at me and stuff. But part two and part three is relationship questions. I just ask him questions about his experience, experience with couple of the couples and, and things like that. And um, the name of the episode, the first the three episodes is, you know, uh, how to save your marriage without counseling. Because <laughs> we all know counseling therapy ain't the way to go when you're married. So without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to Deacon Harold Burt Sivers, part one of How to Save Your Marriage Without Counseling of the Catholic Alpha Radical Podcast. Enjoy. <laughs> All right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to our next segment. Our next segment is Warrior Stories. Warrior Stories is our segment on ordained men who are fighting the spiritual battle in the Catholic Church every day. 
through sacrificing their lives, bodies, hearts, and souls for our ultimate warrior, Christ. And today's warrior is Deacon Harold Burt Sivers of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. His current assignment is the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Outreach is full-time speaker and author, and he was ordained November 23rd, 2002. And he is married to his beloved Colleen. So present to you, help me welcome our special guest today, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. How you doing, Deacon? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Good to be with you. Yeah. I uh I figured out that um <laughs> this technical stuff. <laughs> and it always takes me a while to get it going, but I think we're going good today. So we're going to start out with some questions. And today, I know you're here at uh, Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Carmel, Indiana, because you are having, uh, is it the mission? Or? Parish mission, yes. So tell me a little bit about that for a few seconds. Yeah, so uh, the parish mission is a three-day mission. I preached at all the masses on the weekend, and I'm giving three talks. Uh, the talk I gave last night was on Catholic family life. The talk I'm giving later is on Catholic evangelization, and the talk I'm giving to tomorrow night is on Eucharistic adoration. So, oh, okay, yeah. good. Yeah, we yeah. just uh, Our Lady of Our Most Holy Rosary, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, Our Lady of Most Holy Rosary. Yeah, there you go, there you <laughs> well, go. We had a, a mission um, in uh, for the second week of Advent, and we had uh, the Mercy uh, Fathers of Mercy. Oh yeah, yeah, Deacon, yeah. Like um, Father Wade Menezes and yeah, Father had, Bill Casey and yes, you know, those and guys. Yeah, they sent us Father Louis Guardiola. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he one of the newer good. ones. Yeah. yeah, he was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tell me, how did you grow up with Christ, and were you a cradle Catholic or? Are you a convert? Well, I'm actually the first baptized Catholic in my family. I was born in Barbados in the West Indies, and uh, my mom was a convert. So she was a Methodist who became Catholic. And uh, my my dad was not a person of faith. And so, uh, but my mom raised us all Catholic. So I'm I'm the oldest of their union. And so I'm actually the first baptized Catholic in the history of our family. So why do you think that your father... What do you think happened there with your well, father? Well, it's it actually it's pretty simple. Um in the uh, all throughout the Caribbean, um Barbados particularly was a British colony back in the day. Mm-hmm. And it was part of the British slave trade. So the the crop there was sugarcane. And so they would ship uh, the the British uh, would ship the slaves from Africa uh to the islands that they owned throughout the Caribbean to harvest the sugar cane, which they would use for not just for sugar, but for rum and for other things that they would make. Mm. And so s- someone decided that, you know, it's expensive to bring, quote unquote, cargo from Africa to uh, the Caribbean. So no, they said, really? Yeah. So they said, why don't we grow our own slaves? And so they had a particular group of slaves called Mandingo slaves, uh-huh. and they were used for breeding. They didn't work the fields. They didn't work in the house. Their job was to just breed and create more slaves. Mm-hmm. So that mentality is still very prevalent throughout the Caribbean, where men are sleeping with all kinds of women, not married or committed to any of them. Oh, wow. And women are raising children by themselves without these men around. And these their children often have multiple fathers. Um, so that's, that's very prevalent throughout the uh, Caribbean. And um, there is some faith, like in Barbados, because it, it was a British colony, so the Anglican churches. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, quite frankly, you know, unless they're not, they're not high Anglican, so they basically capitulate to the culture. And so that kind of, that kind of living and lifestyle is pretty much accepted 
uh, in many places throughout the Caribbean. So well, it's kind of accepted here too. <laughs> no, they far from yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So 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 it's not unusual to find my parents' situation um, in, in many of those islands in the Caribbean. Sadly. So tell me how you met. Well, tell us how you met your beloved Colleen. Okay. Well, you know, I was uh, discerning a. Uh, a vocation with the Benedictine monks in uh, Newark, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ran my high school. I did the come and see program all four years, went off to college, worked for a year, and then joined the monastery. I thought, I'm going to stay here the rest of my life. Uh, my mother, my, by that time, my parents were divorced. My mother got sick. And so I left the monastery uh, to take care of her and my sister. So who, you were going to become a priest? Yeah, a monk and a priest. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Well, you was trying to dive all the way hey, in. Hey, that's right? it, man. You know, you're going to go, just do, go all the way, man, yeah. you know. But I, I loved, I mean, I really enjoyed monastic life. Ever since I was a teenager, I always felt attracted, you know, a pull or a tug. Ever since, actually, before that, when I was an altar server, I felt, you know, something, you know. And um, and I really enjoyed the monastery, but... um. I, I, when I was out taking care of my mom, I went to a wedding and, uh, met, uh, Colina at the wedding that I went to. So I didn't go back to the monastery, <laughs> but, but she was living, I was living in New Jersey at the time and she was living temporarily in Connecticut so what, at the what time. What year was this about? That would have been, I'm not gonna uh, hold you to 90, 1990. So is it Colleen or Colina? Colleen. Colleen. I yeah. thought I heard you say Colina. Okay. No. okay that's me. I don't know who that is, right? Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, how did uh, what made you decide? You know, how did you propose to her? What made, what made you decide you want? What, well, what made you decide you wanted to marry her instead of go back to the? Uh, well, I almost did. I mean, I because I I didn't have a good model of what marriage looked like. Yeah. I never thought actually seriously ever about getting married. And so now I'm in this situation where I find myself, I mean, I was scared, you know, because I don't want to end up like my parents, you know. So I so I uh, actually did uh, go back not to join a particular monastic community, but to just discern, not at the monastery that I was in, but a different one, mm-hmm. just to discern, am I supposed to go back and be a monk or am I supposed to be married? Mm-hmm. And um, God, after several months there, God clearly called me to be married. And so uh, once I made that decision... You know, I just said, okay, uh, God wants me to do this. So I, so I went in, how am I going to propose? So I, I flew her best friend out That's, from, uh, from the uh, East Coast uh-huh. and who also her husband procured the engagement ring, uh, for me. And, uh, so she was uh, in graduate school at the time, but she was working temporarily at a real estate office. Uh-huh. And so I, I worked out with her boss. And so uh, I got this huge sign made and I, I walked in with a dozen roses and, uh, her best friend, she goes, wait, what's going on? And then the boss unrolled the sign out and I dropped on my knee and proposed to her right you there in front the office. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and it was, uh, it was pretty awesome. Good. Yeah. That's yeah. all right. Are you here to build a better marriage? Do you worry daily about the state of your relationship with your wife? Do you really understand how she thinks? how to keep her happy, her deepest needs and desires. Would you like to regain the respect, intimacy, devotion, and communication you once had? Or better yet, make your marriage better than it was, holier than it was, more impassioned than it was. Not sure where to begin. 
Visit www.savemycatholicmarriage.com and save your seat for the Marriage Masterclass today. If you're ready to man up, get your woman back and battle for your marriage, visit www.savemycatholicmarriage.com and enter the Marriage Masterclass now. you start to realize that you had to become the leader and spiritual guide of your family? Uh, pretty much when I started having kids, <laughs> you know, because I didn't know how the father whole thing worked because I obviously didn't have a good model myself growing up uh, with my dad. And so I just had to figure it out, you know. Um, at first, my strategy was just do everything the opposite of what my dad did, and I'll be fine, you know. But then I, I realized Poor it daddy. wasn't a Poor I, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> then I realized though it wasn't enough, you know, because as a Catholic, you know, I said, how do I infuse my Catholic faith into this relationship? And so I had to learn actually what it meant to be a father, what it meant to be a man, an authentic man in Christ, right. and what responsibilities then does that mean? Do I have to my wife and then to my children as well? Mm-hmm. And so I went to, uh, so then when I started the diaconate studies, you know, cause we, I started diaconate studies before we even had any kids. I was accepted into the program at 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I, and so in graduate school, as I began to really study the Catholic faith in a very deep way, began to really study scripture and start learning some of the language, the biblical languages, uh, Greek and Hebrew. Um, especially when we got to Ephesians and Genesis and start really said, wait a minute, because it talks about marriage and family. It, it, it just brought a whole new depth, mm. you know, like a whole new layer, a whole new level of meeting, you know, and, and the beautiful part was not just learning, but then figuring out how to incorporate that into my life so that I'm not mm. just learning it in my head, right. but I'm moving it from my head to my heart so that it becomes part of my everyday lived experience. So do you think, do you think the, you know, do you really think that, that their men can replace the father? Like, like, like me, I coach football, right? So especially when I would coach youth football, the mothers, the single mothers, they would bring their boys to the, to the coaches, to the football team, because they knew, I mean, inherently they knew that, that the boys need to be around stronger men. I yes. mean, and some kind of man, something that is doing stuff half right. But, you know, we coaches, we just try to coach football. We ain't trying to right. be daddies. But, right. You know, so do you think that, that you, do you think that you really need the father or are there, is there some time a man or other a group of men that could take the place? Well, I think every um, boy and girl longs for a father in their life. And if they don't have a father at home, uh, then they're going to find someone else to be their father. H- here's right. Here's the problem. When you, when you're in a neighborhood like I grew up in, like in, in the weak wake section of Newark, New Jersey, which is a lot of gangs and a lot of that kind of thing going on. If you don't have a father in the home and if the mother doesn't direct the children toward another father figure or other male positive role models and father figures in their life, mm-hmm. they're going to turn to gangs. 
Right. Because the gangs now become their family and the, the leaders of the gang become the father figures for them. Mm-hmm. And so my mother was smart enough to enroll me in gangs too. Altar servers, <laughs> boy right. scouts, you know, <laughs> right. sports, you right. know, where they had these male coaches because she knew right. that these other men would be a positive influence on my life. Right. And she was right, you know, and, and they were. And I'm grateful to, to those men for, for helping me and, and showing me and being witnesses and examples to me of what it meant to be a man, you know, at a certain level. I mean, I think no one can ever take the place of your father, right. no matter how bad a person's father may be. But, but at least it was a, a, a way for me to be able to see, yes, that this is pop, that's be, my situation is not the end, that the, the other things are possible, that I'm able to take my relationship with God as a man to another level. And that's what we started doing. Um, when we were coaching the, I, I, I set the coaches down and say, look, man, I brought to light what was going on because, you know, we're young. And even when we got older, you know, we're, we're not really, sometimes you don't see stuff. And so once I brought to their light, then they started, then the, then the coaches started embracing it more, embracing the boys more in a different way. Not just, well, we're just here to teach you football and win some football games. And once we did that, man, our team was better or the, the culture on the teams, the better the parents, everything got more involved. It was different. So you're, you're right. Um, so this question I want to ask you because I've asked everybody so far and there's been some telling answers and, and, and man, it's a lot of pain going on right now. It really is. It ain't going away. So what I want to ask is how has the 2018 scandal in the Catholic church affected you since last, you know? Well, obviously I am as, um, angry and upset and disappointed as everyone else is with regard to this scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the sad part about me is it's like, this has been a wound that's been festering for a while and now it's finally coming out mm-hmm. and it's not being dealt with in the appropriate way. It, I believe. Exactly. Um, because, okay. So the thing with the, the kids that was addressed back in 2002, right? But now it's coming up again, but now it's with like seminarians and right. vulnerable adults. Right. And so Who's trying to give their life away to Christ for real. Right, exactly. Right. So, so, so now, uh, but the solution to keep going back to kids, 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 you know, but, but, uh, Archbishop McCarrick, they ain't abuse no kids. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> we need to deal of. with the whole, what it is, is homosexual predation. Yes. And unless we start to deal with that, right. then nothing ever is going to be fixed. Right. Um, and, and so it's frustrating to see how, first of all, how slowly the church is moving, how even the bishops of the United States are being handicapped, uh, by things going on in, in Rome. Um, and, uh, and, and I just, I mean, again, I, I, I think that this needs to be with swiftly. It needs to be like a cancer. You yes. Got the thing like a fish. Sometimes swift is good. Sometimes swift is good. Cause what will happen is people will go, okay, they're start, they're dealing with it. They're, you know, you know, and, and, and that it, the pain will still be there, but it will come, it, it will go away a little bit because people, once they see you're doing something for real and not just talking, people start to forgive and, and start to come back to Christ church and start to see us in the, in the light that we should be seeing as the moral compass of the world. Right. Too for people who are anger frustrated, like I am, you can, you could you could deal with this two ways. You can, you can let it fester. And you can just take over who you are. And then you come up to a point where you say, I'm going to leave the church because, you know, who wants to be part of this? I'm just sick of this. Da, da, da. Or, or, or you could, you could realize this. I, I, I'll use this example. When I was working in campus law enforcement, say one of my officers pulled over um, someone for speeding. 
Right. And when they get to the window, they're supposed to ask for driver's license, registration, proof of insurance. Mm-hmm. But they notice that the young, the, the young lady driving is pretty attractive. And so they prop, so the get out of the ticket. You see? And so she, she's upset. She's angry. And so she files a complaint. So I suspend the officer pending an investigation and somehow it gets leaked to the media. So now the media found out what this officer did and everybody who hears it is angry and upset and rightly so. Yes. Because this was the officer that abused his authority and his position. He's supposed to serve and protect the people and he's using his position to take advantage of the people he's supposed to protect. Mm-hmm. Would your next logical conclusion then be, well, well, I hear that news. I'm going to run every traffic light. I'm going to rob banks. I'm going to steal from people because I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not going to follow the laws anymore because of what that one officer did. Would that be your next conclusion? Yeah, people would no. Of course like, no, not. No. Of course not. So why are people <laughs> going to say, I'm going to leave the church because of what less than 2% of priests are doing? Right. You see? So, so what we have to realize is that what the church, church teaches is true and good and beautiful despite the people in the church exactly. that are not faithful exactly. to, the, to the tenets that they're supposed to be upholding. Because you will always have some crazies that come in the church and they're going to try to do their thing. But what I always say is, look, you can't fight the church outside the church. You can't fight this battle. You have to fight within the church. If you want to change something, if you want to do it, what needs to be done, you have to be in the church and you have to learn the faith and go by that route. So basically what you're saying is, number one, you can either leave the faith or you can stand up and do something, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. And, and so it, and it's like Father Augustus Tolton, right? The first black priest in the United States, mm-hmm. who I just wrote a book recently about, um, and lessons we can learn from his life. So here is, a, here is a man who was born a slave. He went through a lot. Yeah, 1854, born a slave in Brush Creek, Missouri, uh, escaped with his mother and brother and sister to the Underground Railroad to Quincy, Illinois, uh, faced incredible racism. You know, by parishioners. Now, the priests and the nuns welcomed them, but the parishioners, oh, they don't have anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. They told the priests, you know, we'll stop giving money to the church. We'll leave the Catholic faith if they continue to worship here. And who's here. the they? Bishop? Yeah, see, right? Yeah, see? Who's the they? Who's the they? <laughs> yep. And so they finally got to a parish where an Irish priest said, I don't care what these people say, you're staying. And so he yeah. he saw that Augustine had, you know, potentially had a vocation. And when he got old enough, to, he applied to every seminary in the United States, and every single one rejected him because he was black. That's right. I and so he ended that. up going to Rome, took him, trained him to be a priest, ordained him, and then sent him back to the United mm-hmm. States, mm-hmm. back to Quincy, Illinois, where he was told by the, the now now the parishioners would come to his parish, but now the priest, the white priest, were saying call him the nigger priest, mm-hmm. and they told the white people if you go to his <gasps> parish on Sunday, it's a you just Sunday said the whole word out. Well, you can't do. That. <laughs> Well, that's what they said. Right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, nobody goes, nobody goes nigga anymore. Everybody goes in, in the end. Yeah, N-word. the end word priest. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, and so despite all, I mean, if anybody had a reason to leave the church, it was him. And he didn't. He stayed. Amen. He stayed. Amen. You know, because he realized that the beauty and truth, despite the people. Look, Jesus had 12 apostles. One was Judas. For real. And it's always going to be Judas is in the church. And I think if people really keep that focus that, look, Judas, you, Judas was there and Christ knew who he was. Yes. God knew who he was. You can either, we'll go back to the two. You can either go and you can either come by the church, do what the church asks you to do, learn the teachings and stay and be with Christ and not abandon him. Or you can go out there and jump off the cliff and hang yourself. Yeah. Okay. There you go. There you go. So, um, what is your number one challenge as a deacon these days? 
Well, I think um, well, my number one challenge is is especially with the what I'm doing now as a deacon is the same struggle that we all have, right? Trying to balance family and work and prayer yes. and relationship with God yes. and trying to make sure it all works, you know? Yes. Um. So I think everybody struggles with that, and uh, but I, I just focus on my priorities, my relationship with God, family, and then everything else after that. Mm-hmm. If I can work hard to maintain that order, um, then then things will go well in my life. Okay. And what is the funniest or worst or best experience you ever had when trying to evangelize someone? Oh boy. Well, um and the worst. The the one of the worst experiences I had was at a college. This was a secular college. Mm-hmm. Um but it was sponsored by the Newman Center, you know, which is like the Catholic arm of the uh, of the campus. And uh it was shortly after the um Supreme Court decision that so-called Redefine marriage. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. so-called redefine. Because they didn't do a lot of them, so they, I had to get which one you well, talking about. They ain't read, actually ain't redefine nothing because no. only God. You can't change God's you know Amen. design. Yeah. But anyway, um, so I, I went on this campus to talk and I just got hammered. I mean, I never what even you, finished my talk. So I started hammered? off the talk, and uh, I was going through the Book of Genesis to lay a kind of biblical foundation for why the church teaches what it does about marriage. Mm-hmm. A few minutes into the talk. This kid raised his hand. I said, yes. He says, uh, you know, Adam's first wife wasn't Eve. It was Lilith. And it was suppressed at the Council of Nicaea. I said, uh, okay. I said, I've read the Council documents of Nicaea. They, they did not mention Genesis at all. And there's no mention of a Lilith. So unless you have evidence to back that up, you probably shouldn't be spreading rumors like that. Mm-hmm. So I continued with the talk. A few minutes later, a young lady raised her hand. Yes. Um, I'm living with my boyfriend. Off campus, my mom says I shouldn't be doing that. You're going to talk about that? Actually, I am going to talk about cohabitation, but I'm just trying to lay a foundation so you guys can understand why the church teaches what it does. About seven or eight minutes later into the talk, another guy raised his hand. Yes. Why did Catholics hate gay people? So they were plants, basically. So actually, we don't hate anybody. You know, um, we we love everyone. Boys always don't love their actions. Amen. And we judge actions. We never judge people. That's right. And then it just went downhill. I never finished the talk. I ended up going back and forth, um, or them being very aggressive mm-hmm. and me trying my best to be very charitable. Ephesians 415, the truth in love. Um, and it was pretty much adversarial for the rest of the time and mm-hmm. to the point where the guy who invited me actually apologized, you know, cause he didn't <laughs> expect that. But I mean, but and I and I said it's okay because this shows me how much work we need to do with our young people, right? Right. Today, and where they are, plants, just like you were you were listening to uh, what the, oh, what's the young cat's name? He's the conservative. You were just listening to Shapiro. Oh, Ben Shapiro. Yeah, they yeah. do him like that too, dude. They yeah. play. He goes to the university and does the talks, and he don't even talk about. It. He talk. He puts. He sprinkles God in there a little bit, but man, they do him the same way, dude. They have they put plants in there and just and then at one time he it basically shut him down. But yeah. he stood and fought like you did. Yeah. You know, you got it. It's the truth, the truth and love, but it's the truth. And probably one of the best experiences I had was, uh, it was actually quite interesting. I was speaking in Sydney, Australia, mm-hmm. and, uh, I was during, it was 800 people at this talk, and I was talking to part of it was about the theology of women. And I was saying how the Catholic Church, I thought, had the best theology of women out of any religion. Not saying the other oh, ones yeah. were bad. But just saying that, hey, I thought the church had the best. And I started giving some examples. Mm. Yeah, and I started giving some examples. And so this particular, um, it was a Maronite Catholic church. So it was Lebanese Catholics. Mm-hmm. But this church is located in the most Muslim section of Sydney. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so when I started talking about, I, I quoted from the Quran because I read the Quran mm-hmm. and I quoted one of the surats from the Quran that says that you, a, a Muslim man can strike a woman if she believe, if he believes she did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to prove it, just has to believe she did it wrong, something wrong. So this, that's Muslim, a lot of whippings. This, there's <laughs> gonna be a lot of whippings. <laughs> so this Muslim guy stood up uh-huh. and he said, no, you misrepresent Islam. And everybody's looking like, whoa, whoa. And I said, I said, you know what? Sorry, I apologize. I said, just like I don't want anybody misinterpreting our scriptures, I don't want to mis- misinterpret your scriptures. Can you please tell us what it says? He said, you need, in English, you have to read it Arabic. I said, you're right. I said, I read it in English, but uh, the English translation I read was considered the best English translation by all the imams. But you're obviously, you read Arabic. Can you please tell us what it says? You don't have to hit her that hard. <gasps> So now everybody's like telling the guy, please sit down, you know, and he wants to continue to engage it because he saw the reaction of the people. Cause yeah, it's like, right. well, he just said, I don't believe he just said that kind of a thing, you know? Right. And so, and so I, I want to finish the talk. So I said, look, I'll, I'll ask you two questions right now, sir. If you can answer them for me, I will continue to engage you right now. If not, then please sit down. And let me finish the talk. I'll talk to you for as long as you want afterward. Yeah. He said, okay. Mm-hmm. So I said, again, I apologize for reading the Quran in English. But in the Quran, I noticed that um, Jesus, who you consider much less of a prophet than Muhammad, mm-hmm. Jesus does miracles. Muhammad does not. How can Muhammad be more powerful than Jesus? When Muhammad does no miracles in your holy book, but Jesus Christ does. Mm-hmm. That's my first question. Second question is this. The only woman mentioned by name in the Quran is Miriam, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Muhammad's mother, nor any of his wives, including Khadijah, one of his favorite wives, is mentioned at all in the Quran. Only Mary, the mother of Jesus. How could Muhammad be more powerful than Jesus, or more important than Jesus, when Jesus' mother is mentioned, who's spoken of with great respect? Yes. And, and, and none of Muhammad's wives or his mother is mentioned. And he sat down. He so had, he, had to, he had some more praying to go do. <laughs> well, <laughs> he had to go conjugate on that. <laughs> so I, after I went looking for him, and he was I couldn't find him anywhere. Mm-hmm. And but here's the thing: uh, several months later, I got an email from a woman who wasn't there, but she said in her email, "My husband and my son and my son's friend, who was a non-practicing Muslim, went to your talk. Mm-hmm. They he obviously they saw what happened." And so after the talk, this non-practicing Muslim boy bought 13 of your CDs, came home, downloaded them onto his phone, been listening to them every day, and now he wants to come wow. to RCAA to come into the church. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. That's evangelization. You didn't even know you was evangelizing I didn't him. even know. Didn't you know, know. I mean, it's upset, but that's how God works, you see. Yeah. We, we cannot be afraid. And this is why we have to know our faith. You don't yeah. have to be an expert in the faith. Or, like, I mean, I, I travel around the world and I write you books. You a lot I, more practice yeah, at see, it. But yeah, yeah, see, I do it professionally, but you know, all you have to do is know something about your faith to be able to talk right. intelligently to and people. And a lot of times the Holy Spirit will give you the wisdom to yes. bring out stuff you don't even know sometimes. Yes. Or, the, or even the wisdom to go, you know, man, I don't know, but I promise you I'm going to go find out for you. Yeah, there you go. You know. Exactly. Great. Exactly. So, if you like what you're hearing and want to help others, here is what to do. Share this podcast with your friends on social media and other places you hang out. Here is how to help. You know as well as I do, people are always having problems in their marriage, but just don't know where to turn. 
You can really help save a marriage and or a family by sharing this podcast with someone that you suspect is having problems. Here's where to go. www.savemycatholicmarriage.com Signs them up for the podcast as well as the Marriage Masterclass training. Remember, we are our brother's keeper. Help save a marriage today. www.savemycatholicmarriage.com So that was part one of how to save a marriage without counseling with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. And so, as we always do, we end with the quote from Pope Benedict XVI, quote, society offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. So go forth, Christian soldier. The spiritual fight is upon you. Fast, pray, and prepare for battle. Thank you, Christian soldier, for listening in today. Do you have a critical or pressing problem in your marriage right now? Want help? Come on the show and ask me in person. We can do this completely anonymously. You don't have to be on camera or say your name. It's totally up to you. I would just love to have you as a guest on the show. More importantly, you would be helping other men as well. Contact me at RadicalQuestions at CatholicAlpha.com. And lastly, please share this podcast with someone that may need help in their marriage or relationship. Help me save a marriage today.